and a pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be, however you may be listening. This is indeed the Shooky Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, as well as streaming nationwide on the Tuning Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you for making this show part of your day. As we come to you on a new day and a new time, starting today, this show will be airing every Thursday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. right here on 91.5 FM WMFO, as well as the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. We used to be on Saturdays. It's been a couple of weeks now since I've last been on the airways at, on this station. But I'm very happy and excited to be back with you today. Starting today, every Thursday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Drive home with the Shoopy Right Show. Lock it into 91.5 FM WMFO for great sports talk and discussion as we're talking both Boston sports and as well as the national sports landscape as well. Now, with all of that being said... I want to start the show talking about baseball because baseball has yet again shown both the beauty of it and the frustration of it. The frustration of the sport and the beauty of the sport. I want to talk about starting with the beauty of the sport because this postseason has been unlike any other postseason that we've seen in history. And the Padres and the Dodgers are two franchises in which that they are very quickly developing a heated rivalry between the two franchises, both in Southern California, both off of Interstate 5. And we're seeing both franchises, one with World Series expectations, another franchise in the Padres that is clearly up on the rise. And we saw last night in Game 2, especially late in the game, between the Padres and the Dodgers that we saw two teams who absolutely have grown to loathe each other up until this point. So the moment happened in the seventh inning. The Dodgers 6-5 to five went over the Padres to give the Dodgers a two-games-to-none series lead in the best-of-five National League Division Series. Now, with that being said, I found it to be absolutely interesting and amazing at the same time, and I mentioned about the beauty of the sport. The beauty of the sport in which that baseball needs to be played with more emotion and not with a robot-like sense of, well, we're too serious, you can't show emotion, you can't have fun. It's just nonsense. Absolute, utter nonsense. So the moment of truth came last night in Game 2, 7th inning, in which the Dodgers were up ahead, in which, in which that Cody Bellinger, <laughs> talk about a catch, probably the catch of the year. I mean, seriously. This guy races back in dead center field, chasing down what looked to be a surefire home run by Fernando Tatis Jr. Cody Bellinger makes an amazing catch. In fact, I'm going to let you hear the clip. This is courtesy of Joe Davis on Fox Sports 1 last night. This is ball to deep center field. Bellinger twisting around. Still going. He's at the wall. He leaps. And he made the catch. Cody Bellinger. 
athleticism and his feel for the game. You're talking about a first baseman that's playing outfield, but he can play pretty much any outfield position. He can do it all, folks. This is going to be one of those highlights you see for a long time if the Dodgers have a special postseason this year. Gratterall says, I don't know about this. <laughs> Throwing oh. glove. Bat flip, glove flip. Wow. Shortly after that took place, you saw the frustration with Manny Machado. Now, Manny Machado is a guy who has never been one to shy away from showing his emotions on the field. Heck, he's, he even has history of doing so. And Machado apparently kept shouting from the Dodgers uh, at the Dodgers dugout from the Padres side of the infield. And Max Muncy and Mookie Betts waved, basically waved him back towards the Padres bench saying that, listen, apparently Machado didn't take very kindly to the to the quote-unquote excessive celebrating. But that's exactly the problem with baseball. Baseball has become so buttoned up in which that you can't show too much emotion, you can't do this, you can't do that. And it's got to be the first, most frustrating thing as a baseball fan to watch on TV where you make a big play and a big moment in a postseason where everything counts and every pitch matters. I hate the fact that that even Machado took exception to it. I'm like, really, dude? You, of all people? Come on. Way to show a bit of hypocrisy when you showed emotion when you went deep earlier in that game, but yet the, when the Dodgers make a big play, Cody Bellinger robs Fernando Tatis Jr. of a home run, suddenly it's a problem? <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, the thing that was most interesting to me is, as I was watching MLB tonight, last night, Hearing the guys, friend Charles, Cliff Lloyd, and Carlos Peña provide analysis as to what happened, I think the number one thing that stood out to me was this is not something that is the first time that we've seen happen on a baseball field. In fact, here is the clip courtesy of MLB Network. MLB Tonight, last night after game two between the Padres and the Dodgers. Here we go reigning NL MVP, by the way. People forget about that. It's a bit of a down year, but... Alright, so here it is. Great catch he made in the seventh inning. How about this? It's 407 to straightaway center in Globe Life Field, so that would have been a home run in 19 different ballparks, including Dodger Stadium and then also Petco Park. Remember, they're playing at neutral sites, so they're playing yeah. at the home of the Texas Rangers, and uh, the Dodgers are saying... Thank goodness we are, at least for this right, game, right. at least for that that moment. But let, let's talk through some of the drama that we saw. That We saw great play, but also uh, we saw a little bit of extracurricular activity there. Well, first and foremost, I mean, great play by Bellinger, right? I mean, just, just the simple fact that he got turned around a little bit, and he gets back to the wall and has a wherewithal to know exactly where he's at, and boom, jumps and catches it. And, and here it is right here. So you see it, right? Tatis thinks he's got it. Ryder all thinks he's got it. Look how he get turned around a little bit. He's like, hey, hold up. I got a shot. Boom. And you, I, I always say this, Loach. You can't teach instincts. You can't teach that what he just did right there in that situation. And then, nah, now look. When you get to all this stuff, I, I don't know what Machado and him had going on. You got Muncy chirping. You got you got, you got got Mookie going, go back into the dugout. And Bell's just like, what, what, what happened? He had no. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. And what if, we're if not, you don't, real quick, what we're not seeing. 
saying there in, in these I mean in these clips. I mean, Gratterall threw his clothes so his to, hat. Yeah. Whole, I mean, you would have thought it was a little league baseball game in the seventh inning, and they just won the World Series. My man threw his hat. It was all. It took me back to 2007 when okay. I forget who hit the home run for the D-backs, and Ted Lilly threw his glove down on the on the mound after he gave the home. I go, oh my goodness gracious, the lie. That was hilarious. When I'm watching this tonight, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like. Bro, this is the seventh inning. It's not the ninth inning. You don't get to don't throw your hat and your glove on the ground and then blow kisses to the other team. I mean, what is going on? So, But look. you have to see the whole thing. I mean, you just saw part of it. When we watch the whole thing, it, it's going to be... It's, it's comical. It's comical. It, it is. It's hilarious. Was. By the way, that play right there was unbelievable. If you see it live, you see the, the first step, the instincts. That was awesome. Well, and the other thing, too, like, so you saw Manny Machado in there as well. So, so Tatis is up, obviously, and Bellinger robs Tatis. Manny's on deck. So he, so Manny is go. on deck. He sees all of this Brand, from the on deck Brand, circle. Hold on. Brand, hold on. So Manny, <laughs> Manny's, so Manny's <laughs> watching this home. And by the way, oh, by the way, Manny is a former L.A. Dodger. So he's been in that clubhouse before. Brand, I can't even hear you right now. Look at my man. I mean, he is on another level. <laughs> that that that's that's something I am never in my. But, but Cliff, Cliff, look, man, he was genuinely, genuinely excited. All right. So th he was just Lone, he, he, he he went blank in his mind. There's nothing you can say for ten seconds. He I don't just care how happy he was. No, I don't care how <laughs> my I don't care if he lost it. You you can't do that. You can't do that. It was you, excessive. You, 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 it you can't was. take your hat off, throw your hat and your glove, and, and blow. <laughs> the kiss was later. First, he, he, wait, wait, you waving me bye bye, yeah. and then you gonna blow me kisses? There's a lot of stuff going on. I was, got to holler at you. Know, he, you see what Manny said? I'm going to wait for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for you, bro. I got to holler at you later. I'm telling you, man. Also, yeah, again, Manny Machado uh, was a member of that, that team, part of that clubhouse yep. uh, yeah, yeah. a couple years back. So uh, a lot of good stuff. Which is why I am so glad, honestly, that Fran Charles, Cliff Floyd, and Carlos Pena had this discussion after the game because – Baseball needs to get back to showing emotion. Needs to actually come out of this whole unwritten, unwritten rules nonsense that that has plagued the sport. And I, and I absolutely hate it. I hate it because what type of game are we trying to show to the young kids of America in which that, hey, you know what? Baseball is fun. It's okay to show emotion, show passion. You know, this is why I love the guys like Ronald Acuna Jr. Very fiery, shows a ton of passion when he plays. The young stars of the game. You know, enough is enough with this whole, oh, you can't show emotion. You can't do this. You can't do that. And to me, I think the most telling part of it all was you, you look, you look at um, Gratterall and what, and what he did, you know, blowing kisses, slapping his chest, throwing his glove, his hat. I thought it was actually comical. It was just like, dude, <laughs> talk about showing a bit of emotion in a moment in which that. That was such an enormous moment in which that, listen, the Padres knew they had to win this game. It was a must-win game for the Padres. If they didn't win this game, they're down 0-2 in the series, which they are currently, and game three later tonight, this was an important game for them. So I have no problem with players showing emotions on the field. Baseball has to come out of its, oh, my God, no smiling. No emotion showed. Like it's it pisses me off to the fact that you wanna you wanna bring fans to the game, show a bit more emotions. You know? Show that you give a damn. 
Show that you care. Show that everything matters. You know, it's, we shouldn't have to wait until the World Baseball Classic just to see players showing emotions on a big stage. And I hate that baseball has come to that. That's really the only time you ever see players show emotions, players coming out of the dugouts, you know, celebrating. Oh, my God, he had a big home run. Like, remember three and a half years ago, Team Dominican Republic showing emotion, coming out of the dugout, you know, the game against the United States. I love that. The passion and the intensity. Every pitch matters. It's okay to show that. And I really wondered after that was, why don't baseball players at Major League Baseball do that more often? They should, and I think they need to. Because you know what? You know what it shows me? That they actually care. That they actually give a damn. That they actually are taking this game seriously. Not that not that not showing emotions don't, but to me, it tells the youth that it's okay to have fun while you play. You don't have to be buttoned down and Mr. Serious and Mr. Machismo that, oh, no, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. So the Padres and Dodgers last night, I thought was a fabulous game from beginning to end, you know, and especially with Clayton Kershaw, first time pitching in the big leagues in his home in his hometown in Dallas. I thought that was pretty cool as well. But really the big thing for me was how is it that last night in terms of baseball pundits and baseball purists, they don't like the showboat and they don't like players, you know, like flipping the bats and so forth. To me, I think it's a bunch of hogwash. That pitchers are like, well, hitters shouldn't be showing off. Well, do me a favor. Don't serve up a meatball to a to a damn good hitter. In fact, case in point, don't be angry with Fernando Tatis for swinging 3-0 to hit a grand slam to help his team win. Do you and I a favor. Let the kids play. I mean, literally let the kids play and not just be some lip service for a Major League Baseball promotion ad. Like, show emotion, show some fire, show some grit. I loved it. Last night was exactly what baseball needed to the T. Nothing more and nothing less. Let them play. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Boston Bruins and as well as the fact that tomorrow is the start of free agency in the National Hockey That and much more coming up on the new edition of the Shooting Right Show. Thursdays, we begin the 4 p.m. right here on WMFO in Medford. This is Shooting Right to listening to 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford, streaming nationwide on the team and anywhere up in Global at WMFO.org. to Rosano Radio on WMFO Medford 91.5 FM. Bringing you the hottest tracks from around the globe. From around the globe. I always look forward to Rosano Radio. With your host, 
FR, 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 Mondays at 10 a.m. Sano Radio on WMFO Medford 91.5 FM and live worldwide at WMFO.org. Mondays at 10 a.m. Rosano Radio, only here on WMFO. A social distancing tip. Keeping your distance from others is important in slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are some fun things to do alone. Read a book, take a walk, unpack your suitcase from that trip you took last September, paint a self-portrait, catch up on a TV series, do a puzzle. Remember, we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You moved my stump. I'm gonna wreck it. I can fix it. Switch on the sky and the stars glow for you. Go see the world, cause it's all so brand new. Don't close your eyes, cause your future's ready to shine. It's just a matter of time before we learn how to fly. Welcome to the
Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford, Tough Street Forum Radio. In case if you're just joining in the show and you may have missed it on my social media post, the Shukri Wright Show is now officially on a brand new day, Thursday afternoons, p.m. rush hour drive, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Thursday, right here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. You can stream the show nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, globally on WMFO.org. And as always, as a reminder, you can catch every show, every broadcast of the Shukri Wright Show at 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford on iHeartRadio, as well as the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Anchor app as well. Now, I want to take advantage of the opportunity during this segment to talk about the Bruins because tomorrow is the start of the NHL free agency period, and it's going to be a wild one, especially with the salary cap um, being I mean, on the flat line for the next couple of seasons at $81.5 million per team. So what you've already begun to see is a whole flurry of teams like buying out contracts of, of players um, to create room for the salary cap and as well as to make additions if needed. Most notably, um, Henrik Lundqvist, his final year of his contract, was bought up by the New York Rangers. And rumors are out that he is, in fact, expected to sign with the Washington Capitals tomorrow once free agency period officially begins. So that's going to be absolutely interesting to see what happens. But as far as the Boston Bruins are involved, they have three unrestricted free agents that are eligible to hit free agency tomorrow. That is Joaquin Nordstrom, Zidane Chara, and and obviously the big one in Tory Krug. Now, I want to talk about Chara and Krug in particular because Chara is is one who is 43 years old. We know what his legacy is in Boston and as well as across the NHL, and, and especially given that he is a surefire Hall of Famer, no question. But the question remains is, is there a fit for him next season in terms of the financial terms? Because if he does come back, chances are it will be, in fact, a, a one year on a one-year deal. But the question becomes, how much? Do you pay him a million, two million? And as well as the Bruins, they're trying to resign on um, Tory Krug as well. And... The situation with Krug is this. Right now, they have not been able to come close to agreeing on a new deal. So Don Sweeney came out the other day and said that that Tory Krug has a right to go out and test free agency. And that also, there have been instances where players have gone out to test free agency and have come back to the original team and signed a, signed a deal with the original team. So... I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it all unfolds with Tory Krug, especially tomorrow, because the question really does begin to, to to be asked is, what is Tory Krug going to get on the open market? I think that's a very fair question, an important question to ask, because the last terms that we know that the Bruins offered Tory Krug was a six-year, $6.5 million average annual value per year on his contract. Sounds like a pretty fair deal. 
But Tory Krug believes that he can make more money on the, on the open market, and I don't blame him. He has been one of the better offensive defensemen in the league for a few years now, especially on the power play where he, his value goes through the roof, which is why you have teams like the Detroit Red Wings who are absolutely interested in his, in his services. No question. So I can't help but to wonder, if you're the Boston Bruins, at what point do you say, hey, this is a take-it-or-leave-it type of offer, not try to lowball the guy because, let's face it, his value to the Boston Bruins cannot be overstated. It just can't. He's helped get the Bruins to two Stanley Cup Finals, 2013 and 2019. He's done everything you've asked him to do. He's taken less money on his previous contract to stay with the Bruins. Remember, he signed a four-year deal worth about $5 million, a little more than $5 million in his last contract that he signed back in June of 2016. He's taking less money to stay with the team before, which is why he said he's not willing to take a pay cut this time around. He's proven the doubt is wrong. His value in Boston alone cannot be over, overstated. And I wholeheartedly believe that for a guy like Tory Krug, listen, and I talked about this with, with some folks. I said, listen, Tory Krug is a guy who I absolutely love to have in the Bruins. No question asked about it. But my whole thing is this. If you are the Boston Bruins, and if you're a Bruins fan, be honest. Are you comfortable with seeing Tory Krug walk via free agency for better improved play on on five on five, and a slight dip on on the power play? Because personally, my answer is yes. Because number one, I like Tory Krug a lot as a player. I like what he has done and what he has meant to the Boston Bruins. I really do. But at the same time, with the salary cap being flat for what it is, I wholeheartedly think and believe that the Boston Bruins may or may not be able to afford to keep Tory Krug. Say you give the um, give Tory Krug the money that he's asking for. Let's say eight and a half million, nine million. Okay. What does that do for the Bruins? I think it puts them in a stranglehold financially for the next couple of seasons. After all, you got guys like David Krejci who's coming up, who's going to be a free agent in about a year, a year's time or so. Tuka Rask as well. Patrice Bergeron is going to be coming up soon as well. The only ones who, who you have that signed to a longer-term deals are David Pasenak and as well as Brad Marchand. That's it. Which is... Which is saying something considering that this core group has been together for so long and they've had their chance to win the Stanley Cup a year ago, but we all know how that ended up in Game 7. Which is why I think it's imperative and I think it's important that the Bruins do everything they can to keep Tory Krug, but at the right price. Now, switching to Sedano Chara. Sedano Chara has been the captain of the Bruins for coming on 15 years now. He has single-handedly impacted the franchise in more ways than one in which that no one could have ever ever thought possible when he signed with the Bruins in the summer of 2006. No one foresaw the kind of legend that he would become in terms of his leadership, his grit, and his determination. At age 43, still a very good defenseman. He may not be the elite Norris Trophy winning defenseman that he once was, but his leadership alone 
is absolutely invaluable. You can't you can't put a price on it. You talk about him being a mentor to the upcoming defenseman who is going to take over once Charlie was like Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grizzick, who who's a who's a restricted free agent. He may very possibly have a legitimate future with the Boston Bruins. But the point is, is that when you talk about the Bruins and you talk about Char and what he means to the organization, I think it's imperative and I think it's important that the Bruins do right by the man. Give him another year. And I'm not talking about in terms of sentimental value because, I mean, yes, it's easy for me to, to sit here and get emotional as a fan. But putting my emotions to the side, I wholeheartedly believe that Chara still has a lot to bring to the table. We know that he's older. He's not as he's not as fast. He's definitely got slower during the playoffs this past uh, this past summer. But at the same time, you talk about one of the great leaders in hockey. You talk about someone who's been an absolute mentor who single handedly changed the culture of the locker room in Boston. I can go on and on for hours at a time talking about Chara alone. And if you haven't watched the documentary by Sedano Chara that airs on NBC Sports Network, I recommend that you do because that document alone has made me respect him even more. I can't help but to go back on and look back on June of last year in which Chara has that broken jaw in game four of the Seneca Finals against the St. Louis Blues, he's in pain. His jaw is completely broken. And he comes back out and sits on the bench just to be there for his teammates. And he is in immense pain. What does that tell you in terms of what he means to the Boston Bruins, what he means to that to that team, to the franchise, to the city of Boston? So I think the Boston Bruins definitely have some real interesting questions to answer tomorrow. Now, Joaquin Nordstrom, he's been a terrific fourth-line player for the Boston Bruins the last few seasons. Absolutely terrific. And we talk about Nordstrom playing on that same line with with, with Sean Corrali and 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 as well as when Nolan Chari was still a Boston Bruin before he left to go to go sign with the Florida Panthers. That line, at times, last year in the 2018-19 season was their best line, especially in the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals run. But I do wonder if the Bruins do, in fact, bring him back or do they let him walk in free agency? Because I think that is a legitimate question that needs to be answered. I have my doubts that he will return based on what the team absolutely needs. And as well as you talk about a guy who has shown you that he is a terrific two-way player. He can give you some offense in the fourth line. He can play quality defense as well as a fourth line guy as well. So that's something that's not to be taken lightly or to be forgotten. And I believe that if the Boston Bruins are going to absolutely make some critical decisions, they're going to absolutely need to absolutely evaluate what they need and evaluate what they can't afford, especially, especially considering that they are going to be tight in terms of financial constraints. Don Sweeney has made it very clear that he's not trading to Karask. 
How much I really believe it, I, I don't know. I really don't believe it. But we'll see. Because obviously the GM is not going to come out and say that, oh, well, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to trade Tuka Rask and diminish his trade value. No way. No way. But I will say this, though. If you are the Boston Bruins, starting tomorrow, if you are the Bruins fan, I think it's going to be absolutely interesting to see how the Bruins approach the first few days of free agency, what happens in terms of Tory Krug, decision on Char, as well as Joachim Nordstrom as well. And I think it's going to be important that the Bruins understand the decision that they make is not just only for next season, but for the next few seasons. And I think it's so important that the Bruins realize that what they have to do is start thinking long-term because the Stanley Cup window for the Boston Bruins is closing. And I wholeheartedly believe that this offseason for the Boston Bruins is going to be the most important offseason that they've had in the last 15 years. Why do I say that? I say that because you think about the dynamics, the pandemic, the uncertainty of the next season because of the pandemic, and as well as the flat salary cap as well. The future of the team, the core, the core group, they are getting older. They're not getting any younger. I'm talking about Bergeron. He's, he's 35 years old. Krejci, he's 34 years old. Marshan, he's 32 years old. Rask, 33. So I think the Bruins understand and know that they want to remain competitive, but they also understand that they absolutely need to, um, to rebuild on the fly, if you will. If that's going to even be possible, only time will tell. Only time will tell. No one really knows for sure. But keep an eye out for the draft and as well as how do those prospects develop and so forth and who will be the next Impact Boston Bruins player to play for the Boston Bruins because I'm interested in seeing how the, how this draft works out for the Boston Bruins because we've seen how many times over the last few years you know, Trent Stadnitka, um, Jacob Zaboro, um, you know, Trent Frederick. We talk about guys who've been drafted and who made, who made some level of impact, Connor Clifton and so forth. So I think it's going to be interesting and important that the Boston Bruins absolutely make the right moves that's going to help the Bruins both in the short term and as well as the long term as well. Coming up next... Why the Tennessee Titans should absolutely have the book thrown at them by the NFL. That and much more in discussing the NFL and its outbreak of the coronavirus. And my thoughts on this situation. That and much more coming up next on the Shooter Ray Show at 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. This is Shooter Ray to you're listening to 91.5 WMFO in Medford to be nationwide on the TuneIn Radio This is Ron LaRussa. Join me Thursday mornings here on WMFO for Rock of Ages. 
We play the best rock from all eras, including classic rock from the 70s, rock and new wave from the 80s, alt rock from the 90s, and pop rock from the 2000s and today. Just the best rock from whenever. On Rock of Ages, Thursday mornings here at 91.5 FM WMFO. Allison is perfect. I mean, she'd never tell you that. She's humble and perfect. She likes everyone. She even likes her untidy roommate's weird guinea pig. Allison, wait, are you texting and driving? Allison, no, that's the exact opposite of what I was just saying about you. Why, Allison, why? Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Going on, looking at the dollar bill and nothing else around them. 
Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you for making this show part of your drive home on Thursday afternoons. In case if you're just tuning into the show, um, the news is official that the Shukri Wright Show is moving to Thursday starting today. With this broadcast, it will no longer be on Saturdays. It's on Thursdays now, every Thursdays, from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. on your drive home in Boston. Tune in to 91.5 FM WMFO in Memphis for some terrific sports talk and as well as discussion on what's going on in the sports world, both locally and nationally as well. Now, in terms of the national perspective, Talk about talk about the NFL and the coronavirus. Oh man. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but it's been some kind of week. Starting on Saturday, with the news that Cam Newton tested positive for COVID. The Pats and Chiefs game having to be moved from Sunday afternoon, four twenty five, to Monday night at seven o'clock in the game that the Patriots lost. And later on, in fact, as of yesterday, the news of Stephon Gilmore testing positive as well for COVID-19. And I think that this is this is the beginning of something and in which that I feel the NFL has absolutely done a piss-poor job on in terms of creating a plan, of not just a plan, any plan, because they have created a plan, but the problem is, is that that plan has absolutely failed up until this point. The Titans had their outbreak. The Steelers had their problems. As well as the Chiefs had had players test positive for COVID. You have the Patriots situation now. And at this point, if you're an NFL fan, you really have to be wondering, do you really believe that the NFL season will be able to be completed without a bubble or some sort of bubble instituted or whatever? Because the fact of the matter is this. The more that these players travel and they gather in circles and wish that they're not supposed to be doing these gatherings, they put themselves at risk, they put their teammates at risk, other members of the organizations at risk, and as well as their families, even more so more than anything else. So one of the things that I actually talked about yesterday, I have I have a, uh, a second radio show on a different station uh, in the Boston area, 100.1 WBRS. And I talked about this yesterday in which that I said, listen, the problem that I have is that there's no bubble. The NFL had six months to come up with a plan to to come up with an actual plan in which that the players would be safe. The officials, everybody, players, personnel will be safe. And they dwindled their fingers and said, oh, we're just going to power through. And now you're seeing absolutely catastrophic results. You're seeing results in which that if the NFL is not careful, this could come back to bite them in the rear end. Now, in terms of the situation with the Tennessee Titans, the players' workout last week took place at Montgomery Bell Academy. A school official told Teron Davenport, who covers the Titans for ESPN. So the news broke this morning in a column that's on ESPN.com in which that he mentioned that the Tennessee Titans were informed on September 29th that in-person gatherings had been banned because of the organization's ongoing coronavirus outbreak. A league source had told ESPN's Dan Graziano, 
meaning that the players and formal workouts following the following day were unauthorized and a violation of the NFL virus-related protocols. This is why I wholeheartedly believe that the Tennessee Titans should absolutely have the, the book thrown at them as an organization. Because that in itself alone tells me that the Tennessee Titans were told, they knew, they were informed what they could and what they couldn't do. And in the end, they still didn't, didn't give a damn. They still chose to do what they wanted to do. And in COVID, especially in the COVID times, you can do what you want to do, but you got to understand there will be dire consequences. And that's exactly what's happening. Because as of this morning, there were 24 combined positive tests between the players and the personnel for the Tennessee Titans organization. And you want to sit here and tell me that the Tennessee Titans were well within their right to try to find a way to prepare after being instructed not to gather in large groups to to mitigate the coronavirus outbreak that had already begun on their team. And now look at the results. Well, we'll show you what we can do. We'll show you that we can get through this. Yeah! Let me know how that works. Because right now, it looks like you may not even play the game that you're scheduled to play against the Buffalo Bills. And to make matters worse, you may not even get paid. And I know players love their money. So you're taking two L's. You're taking two L's. And you deserve to take these two L's. Money-wise, and as well as the fact that you did what you wanted to do. So now here's what happens. You may not even play on Sunday against the, against the Buffalo Bills. And the worst part is you have no one to blame but yourselves on this one because you were told and you still did what you wanted to do. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported on Sunday that the NFL was investigating whether the Titans violated COVID-19 protocols. Right now, it looks like they did. In which that the Minnesota Vikings, they played against the Titans um, in week three. They closed their facilities this week and that they were, they were also informed on September 29th that there could be no in-person activities anywhere team facilities or otherwise so to me is this and the way i look at it is this you're giving clear instructions that you didn't follow you know there was an old saying that my parents used to say that a hard hat used to make a soft a soft behind that's the rated g version you figure it out and that's what's happening now because it's not like they didn't know they knew and he still defied orders and did what they wanted to do. And that in itself is the most, that is the most frustrating. And now you have people like Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. He said back on September 30th in which that players can't sit around on a couch for a week and be on a Zoom meeting and expect to go be at a physical peak on a Sunday or whenever the game is going to be, unquote. While your quote may be understandable from a pure logical standpoint, but these aren't your typical logical times. I mean, COVID has kind of proved that it's dominating, controlling everything right now. So here's what I'm going to have to tell you, Mr. Tannehill. While you may not be able to just sit around on the couch for a weekend and go be at your, your peak physical condition come Sunday or Monday, whatever the game is being played, but the fact of the matter is that your actions by your teammates have left the organization with absolutely no choice. 
and that's the part where it has to frustrate you because, and you being the quarterback, you have to be the leader and step up and say, guys, this is unacceptable. We're putting ourselves and our families at risk. So you decided to do what you need to do for the sake of, well, we just want to be ready and prepared, which I'm not mad at. But what I am mad about is that is that your negligence has created an even bigger problem. And that is that in itself is even more harmful and it does more harm than good. Coming up next, we're gonna talk final thoughts. Right here on the Shoot Play Show at 915 WMFO and on
Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM, WMFO, and MedFirst Streaming Nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. And here we go with final thoughts on this Thursday afternoon right here on 91.5 FM, WMFO, and Medford. Listen, I just want to point out the fact that at this point, because of the outbreak on the Tennessee Titans, I just don't see how the NFL will be able to to be able to stick to a 16-game schedule, let alone a hard February 7th Super Bowl day down in Tampa Bay. I just don't see it at this point. There are teams that are having to have their games either rescheduled or postponed. You already had an instance where the Steelers and Titans game was already moved to Week 7 because of, because of the outbreak. And I just think that the NFL is going to have to really come up with a contingency plan to, to figure out what's going to be the best course of action for the league. Because what they currently have is really not good enough. And and frankly, there was a column that came out by Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports that makes a terrific point in terms of the league being able to um, being able to stay hellbent on having a hard February 7th Super Bowl date as well as as well as figure out that hey that nothing is perfect though but here's the reality and he says his quote that said the league is on rocky terrain now not philosophically but logistically the outbreak in Tennessee hasn't subsided as everyone hoped that has left Sunday's game with Buffalo in doubt maybe that week five game could be moved to Monday or, th- or Tuesday but the Bills are scheduled to play Kansas City on October 15th and that's a Thursday night game to start week six so with that being said the NFL they have a scheduled nightmare we talked about how the NFL could possibly push the games you know into mid to late February which right now does not sound like the worst idea but if they really are serious about getting the 2020 NFL season in this is something that they're going to have to absolutely do and consider because right now nothing is going to continue to stay the course or remain the plan moving forward for the NFL. And that's something for NFL fans to absolutely think about and accept that very reality and notion. That'll be all for the Shooting Right Show for today. Again, new day, new time. Every Thursday, drive home with the Shooting Right Show right here on 91.5 FM. WMFO and stream it on nationwide on TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. This is Shukri Wright. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you again next Thursday.